BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. On November 11th, join us for Benzinga's 7th Annual FinTech Awards. It's going to be a day full of networking, deal-making, and recognition of incredible achievements that you won't want to miss. Let's get ready to rumble! Senior Nation What's up? What's up? What's up? I don't even know where I'm supposed to look. Am I supposed to look there or there? Probably there. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Spencer. I don't know. Me. I can't take my eyes off you. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to Benzinga Live, our new show that we're just kind of YOLOing as we go. We got a we got a jam-packed two hours here. We're already running behind. Of course we are. We got Matt Hadman from IPO Warriors backstage. He'll be on in a couple minutes. Uh we're oh look, see that? See that fancy camera direction? That was good. That was good. Um, we've got Jake Wajastic from Trend Spider at one. We've got Chris Capri from Second Skies Trading at 1:30. We got a lot going on today. We got headlines, we have news, we have movers, A B. I know you had a few headlines you want to hear on quickly, quickly before we get to Matt. Yeah, and let us know in the chat what you're trading, what you're looking at today. I know I was watching AMC earlier breaking out, but before we get to Matt, um, a few headlines. So, Spencer, let's start out with something we haven't talked about in a while, and that's airlines. Um, so if you don't mind, can we pull up American Airlines chart on uh, yes. Benzinga Pro yes, real quick? We can. So American Airlines has been in the headlines the past couple of days, starting last Friday. Uh, the airlines company has canceled about 2,000 flights from last Friday to today. Um, and go figure, the stock was actually trading up today. Last time I checked, looks like it's still up over a percent. Um, the company said that about 1,800 workers should be returning to work this week, as well as hiring about 600 new flight attendants. Um, so this is kind of on par with what we saw with Southwest earlier in uh, October. I guess that's last month now. Uh, Southwest canceled a lot of flights as well. So American Airlines, they were the company was citing uh, staff shortages, of course, and also bad weather. Um, so we'll see if they can get back on schedule and get all their flights back this week. But the stock is trading up off this uh, news that employees are coming back to work today. And hopefully they will have to cancel less flights. I, I saw that headline and I panicked because I because I was like, shoot, I'm supposed to fly next weekend and I'm flying Spirit and I'm flying Delta. And I hope I don't have this problem next weekend. But um, And American Airlines, Spencer, was not the only airlines <gasps> in the news. Um, if you don't mind pulling up Southwest ticker LUV. So Southwest was in headlines again. No, not for flight cancellations, but because... A pilot allegedly said, let's go, Brandon, on a flight, which is a, I don't know what that means. a moniker for a uh, illicit phrase about Joe Biden. I don't know. 
I don't um, know. Uh, you can fill in the blanks. It's, it's, I, I, I'm not up on these things, but wait. But you know what is up is on these things is the stock. I know, and of course. So, so the company said it's investigating the pilot. Um, so essentially, Spencer, you know how pilots come over the intercom and they say, "Oh, we're making our final descent into I, I Orlando." Um, he said, "Let's go, Brandon," which has become a, a kind of like a surreptitious way of saying "f Joe Biden." Um, so a I, good SAT word right there, surreptitious. Yeah, I mean. Um, so I, I don't imagine that Southwest will be very happy that this pilot's making, you know, uh, political, yeah. you know, statements on, on the flight. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, of course the stock is up. Who knows why? Uh, maybe it would have been up anyway. Anyway, maybe it's up because it's just in the news. Um, so yeah, we, we haven't talked about airlines in a while. The, the quote unquote reopening trade has kind of been off for a while, but I think we'll have to watch American Airlines and Southwest through the rest of this week, Spencer. So I've, I've just pulled up the Jets ETF there on, on the Benzinga Pro and then we'll make it a little bigger. So we've got the Jets ETF and we've got Southwest Airlines. And yeah, we have not talked about the airlines much recently for, for obvious reasons, right? And let's just, you know, this is, let's zoom in here. This is a daily. So it, they've been kind of, kind of dead, right? There is a whole comeback reopening trade well that 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 played out months ago and it's been dead money since the spring um so uh, yeah i mean what's the catalyst here is my question to all of you i i don't know what it is is it I mean, we've already reopened so that's not it i don't know i don't know all right well moving on spencer from the uh airlines we do have some other headlines i am going to go ahead and try to share my screen we'll see if this works um but sam Rowe on twitter over the weekend went to went to twitter sam Rowe, i believe used to be the managing editor of, of yahoo finance spencer correct me if i'm wrong uh yes correct and so basically these are these are all the different banks or the biggest banks seeing what they're saying about tapering coming this week uh, almost certainly from TD, almost certain from JP, will announce from RBC. Looks like a foregone conclusion from ING. Uh, we expect Bank of America. We expect Credit Suisse. We expect Morgan Stanley. We expect Wells Fargo. Are you trying to say that the Fed's not going to announce tapering this week? I'm saying I have no clue whether the Fed is or is not announcing tapering this week, but it seems like the banks are all in consensus that they will. Um, and Spencer, I don't know about you, but these guys you know, pay some people some big bucks to figure this stuff out. So the fact that they're all saying it makes makes me believe this will happen. I believe the Fed is having a two-day meeting starting tomorrow and will wrap up on Wednesday. So I think that's the expected um, announcement of this tapering. Um, and just to be clear, this is about uh, tapering off of the Fed's buying uh, of mortgage-backed securities and bonds. And I, I mean, I don't know, Spencer. The, the It seems like the markets are up today. I, I think it's all priced in. I think if this is announced on Wednesday... Um, we might not see that big drop in NASDAQ or anything that we, we've been expecting when they do announce this, because it, it seems like it's priced in if all the banks um, are announcing this, you know, last week and over the weekend. Uh, yeah, I, 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 it seems like a foregone conclusion. If I can borrow a phrase from who said that Goldman? ING, which uh, ING, is a foregone uh, conclusion that they will announce, not foregone conclusion. Uh, when they will start, whether it's December or January. Hey, we're getting some cool feedback on the TV. We got I know we have a screensaver. I don't know why we have a screensaver. It, it it makes no sense. Nothing we do here makes sense. Um, hey, enough headlines. We, we we're running way behind schedule here. Let's bring on Matt Hammond 
from IPO Warriors. We have a busy, busy week in IPO land. Matt knows all about it. We do not. Let's bring him on now. Matt Hammond, good morning or good afternoon, sir. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, good evening, guys. Yeah, we had a good evening a for you. Time. Yeah, we had a time change today. So I um, we're like a week ahead of you guys in the time change. And I did not realize that when I woke up today. So <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, yes, already open and unexpectedly. <laughs> that's what happens. When you live in a oh, no. Oh, that, well, it only happens once a year, man. Next week, it'll be back to normal. That's unfortunate. Twice, twice per year, it happens. Anyway, True. Uh, we do have a rare uh, opportunity here. We are in the middle of an IPO debut right now, uh, <gasps> which is pretty rare for Monday. It's not super exciting, but it is literally likely to go live while we're on the show. And the company is what's L-I-A-N. The, what's the ticker? L-I-A-N. This is Lian Bio. We talked about it last week. They are a company that is partnered with uh, Pfizer and another uh, U.S.-based biotech, and they are bringing American-licensed medicines to the Chinese market. So they're basically going to go through the approval process in China to bring medicines that are already approved in America to the Chinese market. And it actually just started trading. So... What we saw was an indication of price go. right before it went live at 15.50. I decided not to play this because biotechs are kind of a miss hard more than hit hard type of play. China is not the hottest market right now. And this one is still preclinical on the Chinese side. So I didn't see this as something I wanted to get involved with. And this is kind of showing us why. If you go to the one minute candles you'll see that it is I'm, down. I'm there but this chart is being wonky but we are there so ipo charts sometimes are a little bit strange sometimes uh, platforms need to get on the you know get the ticker loaded but this as we see yep. it opened at 1550 it's dropped down to 1508 in the pre-debut we saw it indicate it started at about six or 18 then 16 then 15, then 14. So we kind of saw that there wasn't a super 
heavy demand for this, which makes me want to step off of this. Sometimes we'll get debuts that are below the IPO price, like uh, UDMY last week, where you're kind of like, okay, well, the market's strong. IPOs are kind of soft. So I'll take this $2 below the IPO price. Or GFS last week, which debuted at the IPO price at 47 with a strong sell side imbalance. That's an indication that, hey, you can play this pretty safely. And then GFS, as we'll talk about in a minute here, ran... I think it touched 60 today. So, you know, from 47, if you undercut that and got in at 45, 46, and then held through Kramer pumping it on Friday and then coming out over the weekend saying, you know, we're booked to capacity till 2023, uh, that, you know, that can be a great opportunity. This is not one what I wanted to play on the pricing below the debut because, or debuting below the IPO price because I don't see it having a lot of, and retail demand and now we see it dropping 1457 at some point you, you know there probably will be a bottom play on this one but i just see it as such a it, it's an interesting business model for a really long hold but really long holds Wait, it, it, this uh, is the one this is the one that licensed western no eastern medicine to the west western medicine or western to the east Pfizer. western to the east yeah, yeah okay yeah. This is not one where right. I want to be dip buying, dip buying, dip buying, dip buying for a long time, waiting for it to come back. Although I do want to bring this one up because this was an IPO we covered that uh, blew up last week. And you actually had the CEO on the show like the day that it blew up, which I think was last yep. Tuesday. And this is Inspira Technologies. I really, you know, they say don't fall in love with the company, but uh, there have only been a handful of companies that I've really fallen in love with and I've just bought the dips the first one is Palantir. I bought the dip on that one, you know, and have a pretty large position still under 10. Now it's at 26. INN, I bought this until it hurt. I mean, I bought my last <laughs> thousand shares the day before. I had like an incredible, I owned, I almost, I owned, I owned 0.3% of the free float. And then boom, I sold over 70% of my position in a hold, you know, wow. I think it's a strong company long-term, but I made a killing on this on Tuesday. And the reason I mentioned this is it affected the rest of, you know, I, I was aware that I've taken big wins before, especially on IPO plays and I just get over aggressive. So I become aware of my own mentality and how that ends up not being a great thing to do and then adjust accordingly. So after I took this big win on Tuesday, I decided to cool my jets a little bit and play things a little more conservatively throughout the week. And it ended up helping Smart. me out because IPOs were pretty cool uh, in, in a market that was pretty hot. So we had three IPOs get pulled last week. And some of these were pretty strong looking companies. Um, we had Can uh, Candela Therapeutics, uh, Ensemble, uh, and what the other one was we had a few get pulled and when we see that and then we see some that look pretty strong like uh air sculpt technology airs they reduced their float by 50 percent and reduced their share price so that indicates that you know the institutional investors aren't really trying to buy anything that they're not really excited about and even gfs which had strong institutional interest apparently debuted at the ipo price so when you see a strong company debut at the IPO price, that's a pretty good indication that you can get a fair price. This isn't like a year ago where companies like Bumble were pricing at 
36 or 38 and then debuting, you know, at 70, uh, above 70, where you're just getting gouged and the downside risk was huge. I like this even better for IPO trades because the downside risk becomes, I can't even spell November today, I'm a little frazzled. Um, the downside risk becomes minimal and the upside risk becomes, you know, pretty, pretty nice, especially if you're willing to hold until the IPO market kind of turns around a little bit. So we had a lot of winning trade opportunities last week, if you, especially if you undercut the dip. So the, my lesson from last week is don't be fooled when the market is hot and IPOs are cool. So the market was pretty hot last week. We had all-time highs in the S&P, right? Yes, we did. Highs, you know, and the IPOs are cool. They're getting pulled. They're being priced at, you know, <clears throat> mid-range instead of, or at the upper end of range instead of above range. We're having IPOs debut below the IPO price. Like these are great opportunities. So some of the wins were our terrace, which we said we liked. Uh, this was a you know semiconductor design company debuted and, and all of these that I played, I was undercutting. And that's why I missed one that I liked, but everything was kind of showing a sell side imbalance in the, in the pre-debut indication. When I see that strong sell side in, imbalance, when I see uh, the indication price start high and they're like bringing it down, bringing it down, trying to onboard buyers. That's an opportunity to, instead of try to buy above the debut price, uh, set an order below it. That way you're kind of underneath where it started. And, you, you know, once it rebounds, especially with a low float play, which is been really hot. And I mean, you see it on Twitter, people are just playing low float IPOs simply because they're low float. People don't even care what the underlying business is, they don't understand it. They're just like, oh, this is less than 5 million shares. The trading groups seem to be buying it up for the first hour or two and then pumping it into the end of the day. And, you know, here we saw an opportunity to buy, uh, I've got my numbers wrong here, at 14.38, it dipped down, or I got the wrong stock here. Anyway, the point is bought here just above 15, between 15 and 16, hold on the run back up to 17, 18. Or if you really like the semiconductors, which, now we're hot, hold it until you see a spike. At the end of the week, it spiked almost 24. It was a great opportunity to take profits on uh, on AIP. Uh, MRAI, this was just a low float play. I think Think Equity is the underwriter. Mm -hmm. So especially with some of these underwriters who are like Think Equity, Maxim, uh, of course, boasted, um, these seem to just get pumped. So no reason to buy right on the debut, but when we got a dip down to four, that's where I saw an opportunity to get in. I got in at, I think, 4.05. Uh, then I'm looking at level two data. I saw a strong sell order at I mean, a huge wall at five. And I didn't, I'm not trying to play these longer than a quick scalp. So I set my limit order to sell at 4.95. It took a quick, I think, 90 cent win on like a thousand shares. So, you know, you're not going to get super rich on these, but there's a pretty good chance of taking profits here. Uh, I especially see these as opportunities if you're trading these in like a Webull account where you have access to that 4 a.m. early pre-market trading. These often we're seeing uh, spikes in the kind of 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. range. I think this is a, right here is about 4.50 a.m. EST. So if you're holding these into that day two, you can take some really, we've seen a lot of them do this. Uh, especially please don't please don't yeah, chase everyone everybody. please don't chase these crazy 4 a.m spikes they almost never sustain themselves don't chase almost. them no 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 
I know that's. I'm just giving a PSA. These, yeah, yeah, you want to yeah. be in these the day before they spike. You don't want to be buying yeah. these. It. Uh, yes. You know, this is almost. Although this one did uh, come back up again up into the 657 range, but no, don't chase the the 4 a.m. spike. If you're in it, that's the time to sell. Take some profits. Okay, Global Foundries. All, right, all, all yeah. Yeah, no, no. I, let's get to this. Was the meat of last week? This, this was the big one. So I want to get to this. Yeah, all eyes were on this, and it gave you a gift. I mean, I called this a gift because it dropped. It, it, and they really, you could see in the indication price, they couldn't get 47. Uh, they're right. struggling to, and they're bringing it down to 45, 46, and they're testing that area, and just trying to get people to buy in. And finally, they got it up to 47, but it had a huge sell side. Sell, sell side imbalance when i saw that i said okay well i don't need to pay 47 for this i'll take a scalp at say uh, 46 45 50 45 so one technique you can use if you want to get on in on this is to ladder a series of trades downwards and that way Ooh. it's going to fill you in on the way down that ladder entry works really well on this one i just happened to time it i, I took 45 55 again i was playing everything a little bit cautiously last week and saying, well, if I don't get it, I'm okay. And took the, took it for a quick scalp right here. And when it came back up to 47, I said, all right, well, if it breaks 47, that's cool. But 47 will probably be some resistance on a day like today. That was the IPO price. And if you wrote it a little bit above that, great. But once it got past 47, put in a stop loss, trail it up and get stopped out when, uh, when it gives up that gain. And I watched this all day, and when it dropped, all of, all of a sudden it dropped down below 45 again at the end of the day. I said, okay, I'll take another bite of this. I uh, got again in again uh, under 45, watched the level two data, saw as we started getting up here that we were getting resistance as it broke past 46, got out just above that, and sort of wish I had gone in again um, on Friday morning when it was down here. This just, this was set up to, to be a winner. There was a lot of institutional interest in this. Uh, incidentally, Friday morning, Kramer came in and pumped it and it started you know, running up again, got up to 49, 50. And in a strong IPO market, this would have debuted at like 50 or 55. That this debuted at the IPO really was an opportunity to get in at the same level as all the institutional buyers and you know, today, if you pull up the chart today, you'll see it ran up to 60 or 59 plus uh, early in the morning or not early in the morning, just early in uh, market hours today. And that's what you get when you have a cold IPO market, a strong market and a company that really probably deserved bigger focus than it got. And GFS is you know, buying in it for below 47, I think is a great, you know, great entry, regardless of whether you're scalping this or looking for a long hold. That's seven dollars away now. So, so yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think forty-seven was a good entry because we're at fifty fifty-four right now. Uh, what, so, let's run through a couple of these, and then we'll get let's get to this week. Yeah, we're almost done with this. Uh, Air Sculpt. I called this out as the regional chain story. We saw Bros. We saw uh, uh, Portillos. You know, these regional chains that are doing well with a small number of locations have been doing really well once they go live. Uh, the mistake I made here was trying to undercut this one again. Uh, on this trade, they lowered the float from, I think, 10 or 11 million down to 7 million, which 
might have been a good indication that this was a potential halt play. It did. It ran up into two halts. Now, if I see halts out of the debut, I'm usually going to start taking profits right out of the first halt. Uh, we'll be mostly out by the second halt. And if there is a third halt, I call it the three halt rule. I will get out by the third halt. It's kind of rare, but it happens more than you think. Unless we're talking about some low float Chinese boasted or network one financial, you know, stealth IPO play. Uh, we rarely see more than three halts up. Uh, this did give you two halts and then it kept going up. So if you took out, you know, 50% here, 40% here and let 10% ride um, and took it here or said, okay, well, that's the, the max and kind of watched it trade down here. You're in perfectly safe territory to take profits at any time. I don't know how this will do long term, but this was a great IPO play. So we called that one out as one of the favorites from last week and it performed well. So some people that uh, are following the newsletter, which you can sign up for at ipowarriors.com or in the Reddit thread uh, or follow me on Twitter, took profits on this. And I'm always happy to help people make a little bit of money. Uh, the last one I'm not going to talk a lot about is the biotech that happened to looks like it got picked up by the algos because debuted at the IPO price of 14 uh, held VWAP for a while then started going up and spiked up to 18. And then in the last kind of half hour or 15 minutes crashed, gave up everything. So this wasn't based on value or fundamentals or real retail interest. Some biotechs just run, uh, for no real reason, which is if I could identify the reason I would play them. And since so many of them don't, I could show you a lot of examples from last week that were disasters. Uh, I'd stay out of them. Okay, so we got a lot to cover. Uh, Land Bio. Wow, you yeah. I thought it was tomorrow, but um, you want to pull that? You want to check that one? See what it's done since we uh, started this? Yes, so I can. Okay, we so it's are based at. 14. Okay, we're we're trying to hold fourteen, yeah, even. Which was the indication price that they uh, they flashed? That was the low point of the indication prices before it went live. So. You know, if you want to swing trade this one, um, it's risky, but this would be a place where I'd maybe try to go a little bit below this in case it, and I'd probably watch it a little bit longer. But if a baseline's here, we often see a little dip below the baseline before a run. Really never know, but um, it's not a high conviction play. I wouldn't go in with a lot of shares. It could just keep falling off. I stayed away from this because. If I lost money on this one, I'd really be kicking myself for breaking both my don't play biotech rules and buying a Chinese market, you know, exposure stock right now. Um, there's plenty of plays where I really believe that they're going to go up almost to the point where I can, or not almost to the point where the, the point where I can put a lot of money into them and feel very comfortable. This is not one of them. And in this, uh, at, at this time part, kind of just at this time in my, uh, where I'm trying to steer my portfolio in the next four or five months, this doesn't fit my risk profile at all. So I'm off that one. Okay, Allbirds. I'm not sure how many people have heard of this one, but uh, interestingly, yeah. the CEO of this Pretty well-known brand, pretty well-known brand, I think. Right. Um, I know about them because the CEO was on my brother's select soccer team, on which my dad was also one of the coaches. So Joey's wow. Willinger is- uh, Small world. To me, he's a kid, yeah. Uh, in my mind, a kid who played, you know, was a pretty good uh, soccer player. 
So this is a direct-to-consumer, eco-friendly shoe brand. They do kind of like supposedly very comfortable shoes made out of environmentally sustainable materials. Uh, revenue is up 26% in the last six months. Uh, not last, but uh, six months ending June 30th. Uh, gross profits. Sorry, guys. I was dealing with some family stuff over the weekend, and uh, I was a little bit stressed uh, while I was putting this together. So you're going to see more uh, spelling issues than normal. But... Um, Gross profits are up 32%. And despite those numbers, which are kind of okay, uh, they are negative cash flow. The operating profits are down and net income negative. So I think from a, from a financial standpoint, it's not really the most attractive play. They do have a partnership with Adidas coming up, which should be interesting. Uh, the float isn't overly large and there is brand name recognition. I'm not sure I'll play this off the debut, but we'll watch the pricing. And if we get pricing below the IPO price, it could be interesting, especially for a day two run. Uh, when we have stocks with brand name recognition, we're always going to be kind of aware that a lot of retail traders who weren't following the IPOs uh, were kind of alerted that, hey, this company IPO'd, I wear their shoes. I love their shoes. Uh, my whole family loves their shoes. Everyone know wears these shoes. You know. I'm going to buy this stock. So if this kind of is depressed on day one, uh, there's a good chance that this makes one of those day two runs, but I don't see this shooting up or shooting down. So I'm looking for kind of the more uh, attractive upsides in this market. And I'm not convinced that this is going to give you that. Okay. Claros Mortgage Trust. I'm pretty much oh. not playing financial IPOs Pass. anymore. Yeah. Oh. Just... I don't know. No offense to these guys, but uh, no, we I mean, just haven't seen a regional banks, mortgage trusts, uh, REITs. Yeah. These are kind of, they price at value. Uh, they don't move a lot. People don't get super excited about them. I just don't see the, you know, it takes me, I'll, I'll be watching these pretty much all day once they debut and trying to find the e exit and entry points if I decide to re-up. Uh, and this, this just, unlike these move like 50 cents down, 50 cents up. And there's just not a lot of move, you know, room to, to take much of a profit. So no thanks. Uh, Delhi Mobile. We have a couple of Russian IPOs this week. Wait, they, uh, is this the Uber of Russia? It's more like car sharing and car rentals. Um, so mm. more like Zipcar. Um, so so like the, uh, the uh, shoot, Chad, help me out. What's the name of the company? Hi Fire? Oh gosh, they were on the small cap conference last week. Uh, higher car, Jesus, Spencer. Yeah, higher right. car. It's more. It's, it's it's the higher car of Russia. Okay, so revenue's been up 120 percent in the last in six months, ending June 30th. Gross profits um, are up 14 million versus uh, loss in uh, 2020. Or, or sorry, so I mean those are huge growth numbers. Their cash flow positive, but negative net income and operating profit, those numbers are moving in the right direction. The thing is with these foreign IPOs, they just haven't done that well. Um, there was a Russian e-commerce platform that took a while before it finally kind of found its legs and went up. Uh, there were some Brazilian tech companies that have not done well. And I can't really have a lot of conviction i can't have a high conviction in something that i don't believe i remember copang from uh south korea that was just a dumpster fire 
Um, that was a so bad just, one. Yeah, so, so I'm a little bit gun-shy on anything that is not recognized by the U.S. markets. And I don't think Russia has a, you know, Russia doesn't like America right now, I'll tell you that, unless living in a, you know, a former Soviet country and um, have a lot of friends from Russia. And Russian media is very anti-American. So I just don't, I mean, there's nothing I trust about their IPOs to do well. I'm not saying it's a bad company. I don't know if it'll do well or not. If this one does well, then maybe the one later in the week is worth watching. But uh, I don't want to. I don't really want exposure to Russia right now. We're not in a. How how is the Amazon of, of Russia doing? That, that's uh, the one I was it, talking. It, I forget the name of it. It, it was. It, it, uh, it's O. It's Ozon. Right. O Z O N. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. O Z O. How is O Z O N? Let's take a look at the. At the uh, uh, oh, all right. It's a, it. above it. It's a, it's a higher from its IPO. You can say that, but I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I think they're again. I'm looking for plays where I feel so confident that I'm going to buy a thousand shares or you know at least five hundred shares to make a play. Yeah. If I'm not buying that, I mean, I'm trying to take really. I don't necessarily count these trades in uh, terms of percentages of gains. I'm looking at points. You know, I'm looking for one right. or two, you know, ideally $2 up uh, is a great, you know, is a great little play. <clears throat> and whether that's starting at $40 or starting at $30, starting at, you know, $5, that's sort of what I'm looking at. And I'll increase my share count accordingly. But, um, you know, I'm looking at points up and points down. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to take the risk of another copaying. I don't want to take a risk of, I forget, that's I don't fair. even remember what that's the Sicilian fair. one was, but Rush is not for me. Uh, Nerd Wallet, this one I think people recognize, but it's a little bit. So this is a financial services and reviews, you know, company, and they basically dominate, you know, SE, the search results on Google for keywords related to, you know, looking up, for, looking for a new credit card, or looking for where to get a loan, or looking for where to get a mortgage, and they make most of the, almost all their money from referrals. So. It's a pretty interesting company in the sense that it was basically started by someone with, you know, just the urge to write about, uh, you know, his experience getting, you know, the right, the best credit card for himself, and it just ballooned into a, you know, hugely profitable business. Um, well, yeah, the Nerd Wallet. I, I can. I have some insight here because we we can. Sure. We're we're competitors with nerd wallet in, 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 in some ways, not in every way, but, but in some ways we do some of the same things. And, and what I say about this, and, and I've seen this in our own, in Benzing's own businesses, um, highly dependent on the, the, the consumer environment. So for example, uh, when everybody and their mother was opening Robinhood accounts in January and February and March, right. Uh, we saw that in our business and NerdWallet undoubtedly saw that in their business, right? When that cools off, it's that is also reflected, right? And whatever the consumer trend is du jour, whether it's Robinhood accounts or credit card this or loan that, Mortgages, whatever the yeah. trend is, that is where their business is going gonna, is gonna, to go. And it's very mm -hmm. up and down. And that will be reflected in their business. So that's a very, you know, very good insight. Another one is that they're very SEO dependent. So when Google yes. pretty much, you know, they get their business from Google and filter search results into, 
you know, our search traffic out to their sponsors and get paid for that. So um, I imagine that as Google continues to push more and more paid uh, pay-per-click results to the top of pages, you know, top and bottom, I mean, all of page one on high competition keywords is getting eaten up by pay-per-click. Pay-per-click is, you know, is an auction process where, you know, people are having to pay more and more to, you know, as, as a keyword gets more competitive, the ac customer acquisition cost gets, you know, goes higher and higher. So on one hand, their revenue and gross profits are up for the nine months ending September 30th. But as you mentioned, we're coming out of a cycle where referrals uh, for, especially for financial instruments were in an uptick. So I don't know how, I don't know if, it, it kind of reminds me of gambling.com, which did all right, <laughs> um, but G-A-M-B-L, or G-M-B-L, uh, which makes, makes most of its money off content and then referring people to gambling sites. So that one did all right on the IPO, but, you know, esports and online betting is a pretty hot uh, topic right now. And I don't know if mortgages and credit card signups uh, are super hot right now. So I can't, this one's interesting to me because I know people who write for this company, but it's not, um, it's not something that uh, is super exciting for me. One thing going for it is the 7.25 million share float. That's pretty yeah, that's small. a small float. Yeah, so if this does uh, kind of hold its own out the gate or like drop a little bit, but still maintains, you know, doesn't just fall out, there's a pretty good chance that that low float kicks in and that might be an opportunity to jump in. Yeah. I'm probably going to continue my trend of undercutting the debuts on most of these. Some of those super low float ones, I'll probably get in early. We'll get to those in a second. But this one just, it's not super exciting to me. And when even something, you know, one other, when almost, I think almost every other IPO last week that was not a biotech dipped before it, you know, eventually came up. I don't see, until that trend breaks, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be buying too many things on the debut. And if we see more IPOs getting pulled this week, then, you know, that's an indication that the IPO market is still, you know, that um, institutional investors are sort of in a, well, we'll sit and wait and see what it does. Maybe not by the IPO. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. Um, Evotech. This is a German drug discovery platform with, I guess, They've been around for a long time, I guess about 25 years. Revenue continues to grow, gross profits go are growing, but it's not like a high growth company. And my excitement over drug discovery platforms is pretty much been beaten into a um, puddle. Uh, Absolera was one that seemed really cool. It was Peter Thiel backed um, and it, popped into a halt and then just died and died and just dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. And every time another one of these drug discovery platforms comes along, they're hyping it up with AI and discovering new, you know, and it makes so much sense. And if they were like the only ones doing it, you'd say, okay, well, that's great. Uh, this is awesome. Obviously if you can discover medical solutions without, you know, stumbling upon them or, you know, and you're using computer simulation to discover these things, you know, that's, it seems like that's the future and there's just a lot of people doing it 
and the IPOs haven't done very well. So until, and even these guys might be a leader in that and do it better than others, but I just don't see a lot of excitement from the, uh, from the retail trader. And these numbers themselves aren't exciting enough. It's not a brand name that I've ever heard of before. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get involved with this one. Right, here's the first one that kind of has a star next to the name, you know, for me on this, this week's list, and that is Our House. This is an omni-channel luxury premium furniture retailer. Uh, they've done really well in lockdown. Revenue's up 58% in the six months ending June 30th, so they're still doing pretty well even after lockdown. Gross profits are up 75% in the six months ending June 30th. They have positive cash flow net income and operating profits, and, you know, the obvious uh, you know, comp is well. Wayfair does online, you know, selling furniture, and their stock is one of the runaway successes of you know of 2020. So I think people are going to be pretty interested in this. I read a bit about the reviews. It's kind of high end furniture. They want to call it heirloom quality, and we've seen things that are well loved uh, that are kind of premium brand have done pretty well I, i'm surprised i never heard of this one but like you're you're right on the wayfair account man wayfair has been a beast so if it's anything like that then i mean the, the, this one can get retail behind it in a hurry right so i think this one is a in, in my in my book it's a low downside high upside especially if we don't get a ridiculous uh, debut premium if this comes live you know near the IPO price or even below it, we're looking at a pretty nice play. Actually, I, I take that back. Wayfair has had a pretty rough 12, uh, 12 months, but last year was one of your best performers of the year. Um, but... Yeah, it's come down front, but, you know, comp it to before the pandemic, it's still, it hasn't come down to pre-pandemic. No, no, I mean, it's off as high. It, it, it's fine. It's fine. It's still where it, yeah. way above where it was. When, when COVID started, but uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised I never heard of this one. Um, lug, it's got all the right words, right? Luxury, e-commerce, direct to consumer on the channel, right? So, so, yeah, we got. We'll keep an eye on this one. Thing okay, here's one that um, might get me to break my biotech uh, rule, although I broke it last week over the same kind of setup. I like this one even better. This one is Maine's Biomed M Y N Z. We might as well skip through the what is it and what is it does and just jump to the Bosted Securities is the underwriter and the float is 2 million shares. Uh, we can circle back and say, okay, well, cancer diagnostics, blah, 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 using molecular genetics to diagnose um, in vitro and colo, you know, colon cancer. Uh, but basically, they're bringing EU approved tests to the US and until they get FDA approval, they're not going to have any US based revenue. But I don't think any of that matters. Day traders are already looking at this going, oh, Bosted alert, you know, MYNZ, 2 million shares. So for me, these have been just play the, you know, you're just day trading the volatility on this. And they've worked out pretty well. So I will be, I will be playing this one. This is an IPO trade, not an investment or a long-term you know, buy. This is just right. uh, low float and Bosted. A, a day trade for, and this is for Thursday? That was for Thursday? This is for Thursday, yeah. And this is one of those, okay, well, if you buy it in Webull and you're up at four to five in the morning, 
you know, maybe hold some of your position to uh, certainly don't sell on day one for a loss if you can get out in early pre-market for day two. Okay, Cadre Holdings, we reviewed this back in August. It got pulled and downsized. So this is an emergency equipment for first responders, uh, you know, retailer, not retailer, I guess they sell more B2B. But they are profitable. They are re rebounding uh, strongly from COVID. It's a 55-year-old company uh, that's now going public. And the float is just 5.7 million shares. So I kind of like this one now. I sort of wow. liked it at 7 million. I like it a lot more at 5.7. It wouldn't surprise me if they upsized. But given that the IPO market is kind of cool, maybe they don't. And at 5.7 million shares, uh, I think it could get targeted by... Uh, retail traders, trading groups, and is a pretty good chance that it, I like IPOs a lot more when the IPO market is cool and the market is not like just falling apart. I'll say that again. Uh, I've said it probably three or four times on the show, but this is a great time to be buying IPOs because you're not paying a ridiculous premium. And even if they don't, you know, go right up, you'll see opportunities for them to there's a better chance that they are going to go up than if you bought, you know, high flying IPOs a year ago that it was almost like, look, play the IPO play, but don't hold these long time because uh, they're probably going to come down from here. MDX Health, this is a Belgian prostate diagnosis for cancer, which sounds a lot like uh, MYNZ, uh, but this is an uplisting. The underwriter is not one of the, I think this is, um, uplisting from the OTC. Uh, it's uplisting from the Belgian stock exchange, I believe. Um, but they've oh, already whoa. priced it. So there's no price okay. range. I don't like these plays very much. Uh, I don't see any reason to get excited about this, even with 3.77 million shares. Maybe it does all right because we haven't really seen a low float IPO do poorly in the last couple of weeks. It just seems to be something that day traders are targeting. So I just don't know, but it's the same day as uh, mains and this one will be hunted. You know, it's lower float and boasted securities. This one is first point cap or something, uh, blanking on the name, but I don't I, I just don't really like this one. All right. Moving right along. <laughs> Desert, Desert peak minerals. This is an energy company with oil and natural the companies are also boring, man. With, with the These are all the, pretty uh, boring. Yeah. yeah. With the it's exception not, of the, know, we, the, we have a the long list of IPOs. Yeah, we have yeah. a long list of IPOs. Doesn't mean that there is a lot of excitement in the IPO market. And, and no. given how weak the market was last week, I expect that a bunch of these will get pulled. Um, but these are Friday okay. IPOs, which are always a little bit kind of like it seems like the best IPOs get scheduled on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays is a little bit like okay, you're good. We'll let you start out. And Friday is sort of like, okay, we can fit you in, but you're not really that important. <laughs> so if you're some rando biotech or, or it's run. easy or it's easy to push, right? Cause uh, it's Friday. Let's just push they it often, into next week. Yeah. They often do get, you know, I'd say Friday ones get, get pushed and ones that got pushed, you know, from previous weeks often get scheduled for Friday. Um, so this one is an energy company. They have uh, land rights in the Permian Basin and then lease those rights out to other people who do the dirty work of pumping the oil and natural gas. Revenue is up 85% in the last six months. Then again, you know, 
natural gas and oil prices are way up. So I don't know how much of that is reflected by, I don't know a lot about oil and gas other than, you know, what I hear on you know, market watch or CNBC, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Net income has swung to positive, which is, I guess, good. And oil and gas is pretty hot right now. But I don't know how many retail traders are going to get too excited about this. Even with the float of 10 million shares, it's not low enough to draw, to draw low float day traders attention. And it's probably not sexy enough to get too much general retail attention. But I could be wrong, could be right. My guess is it trades kind of flat for most of the day. So I won't. Don't pay too much attention to this one. CN, uh, a couple, couple minutes platform. left here. Let's see if we can rip through these. We got a couple minutes. We're getting to it down to the last ones here. CN is a Russian real estate platform. So I guess kind of like the Zillow of Russia. Oh, Revenues man. up six months ending June 2021. I couldn't get clear numbers on gross profits, negative cash flow, and operating loss. Floats 18.2 18 million shares. I guess keep an eye on. Um, DMOB earlier in the week, and if that somehow rips, you know, up, and then put CN on watch. But otherwise, uh, it's not a U.S. focused business. It's not low flow. It doesn't have anything. You know, it's not going to get brand name recognition. Maybe it's a good long term play, but for me, it's no thanks. Uh, NVCT ovarian cancer treatments and solid tumor targeting. It's preclinical biotech. Usually, I'd say um, no thanks but it's think equity and think equity IPOs have done, you know, pretty well. I mean, they're not, it's another, okay, sell it 5 a.m. on day two, uh, buy it down at $4 and sell it at $5, uh, 2.3 million shares. A lot of people have started just saying, oh, well, these are easy money. So as long as the debut price doesn't get pushed up, um, it's you know, kind of a fun day trade. It is Friday. I'm usually kind of tired and, I'm trying to wrap things up so I won't hold it long term, but and I don't know actually how that Monday morning spike will work on the you know in terms of day two. I prefer to have that be on consecutive days during the week rather than uh, Friday to Monday. So mm, I'll watch it, but probably worth taking a quick little dip to four three eighty four. Uh, ride it up to whatever the look at your level two data, see if there's a sell wall price here, exit five cents below that walk away with a little win. And uh, the last one on the week, I know two real good food company. This is healthy foods kind of alternatives to, you know, comfort food alternatives. So um, replacements for meat. I don't know if there's a beyond meat uh, analogy here. Uh, I haven't, the S1s that I pulled up didn't have the numbers filled in, so I don't think it's been filed yet. We just have it on the calendar for this week. It's an uplisting, and the float is 5.33 million shares. It's still a little bit too early to evaluate this one. I will be discussing it on Twitter and within my group as we, we get closer. We may, there's a chance we may have that company yeah. on the show this week. Maybe. TBD. Okay. TBD. That would be cool. Last one. I'll watch that. The last one is Flex Energy Green Solutions, FLXE. They do gas turbines and heat exchangers for alternative energy production, which kind of sounds interesting, but uh, revenue is in the dumpster, down 20% in six months, ending June 30th. Gross profit is even worse, down 55% in six months, ending June 30th. Negative operating profit and negative net income. Somehow they're cash flow positive in six months, ending June 30th. 
And to me, the big red flag here is despite having just a 3.88 million share float, Roth Capital is the underwriter. And I don't still quite understand why, but the market does not like Roth Capital. Um, they are loathed by day traders. They must have, you know, done follow-up offerings and just share, you know, I don't know what they did, but they pissed it, it off could a just lot be of the ty- It could also be the types of companies that, that they're bringing public. Yeah, uh, they've brought, but I mean, can't say that Boasted and Network, I mean, those were garbage Chinese companies that turned out to be, you know, those ripping stealth IPOs. So I don't know if it's that or something else, but I haven't seen a Roth Capital, even low float play, do really well off the debut. And when that's the trend, it's not my friend, and I will stay away from this one, but I'll watch it. Maybe at some point one of these turns around and goes the other way. If everybody just starts pumping it in uh, on Twitter or FinTwits, whatever, maybe it's a fun play. But uh, again, if this 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 is lined up to be a Friday uh, candidate, and by then I'm not really desperate to find new things to play unless they're super exciting. And this probably won't be. All right, busy slate this week. Matt Hammond, IPO Warriors, joins us every Monday on the show. Matt, pleasure as always, sir. IPOWarriors.com. I'll send up a write-up of these with a little more research in them uh, probably tomorrow. Thanks, Spencer. For the newsletter. Thanks a lot, Matt. Hey, uh, let's bring AB back on. AB, did you like my my Joe Kernan impression? I'll, I'll, I'll do it. This is this is my Joe Kernan impression. This is, this is, You're doing it right now? I'm doing it right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Hey, I want to bring it to y'all's attention. We have some movement here in the markets. I'm going to share my Benzinger Pro screen. What happened in the SPY last week, right? The S&P 500. What happened? We blasted off to new all-time highs. Well, let's look about and see what is happening this week. And I'm looking at you, Russell. I'm looking at you, IW. And look at the green candle we have on the right-hand side there, that big green candle. We're up over two, almost two and two-thirds percent today. We are within shouting distance now of the all-time high uh, in the Russell 2000 or the Russell 2000 ETF. In the ETF, the all-time high on March 15th was 234.53. We are at 234.12 as I speak to you now. Uh, Small caps are playing catch-up, A.B., yeah, I mean, we've been talking about that, Spencer, that the Russell 2000 has been lagging behind the the other indices throughout the past, you know, few months or so. So it's good to see Russell catching up. It's showing strength throughout the past, I don't know, two, three weeks or so. Um, what, look, what are, look at this daily. Look, look how many times it's been up here and, and rejected and failed. One, two, th- three. This is the fourth time. This is critical. What are what are the biggest names in, in the Russell 2000? Uh, you know, bringing bringing uh, this indice up because I know uh, I believe AMC is in there. Maybe AMC is the largest holding in the IWM. AMC is and AMC is having a good day, up yeah. about three uh, percent right now. So anytime AMC is making moves, it's got to be on the watch list. Um, I see someone in the chat asking about bros. Spencer, it's been a few days since we've checked in on bros. Of course, Dutch bros coffee. Um, wow, $75 a share. We crazy, man. We That's were talking crazy. we were talking about this when it ran up to about 50 bucks. And I thought, you know, the um 
you know, everything had been had been grinded out of this stock at that price. And of course, you know, what do I know? The stock is now at seventy five dollars. I don't know. You know what? If we if you and I had been paying attention, you we would have seen three weeks ago this, you know, it, it, it tested that 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 gap low from its second day of trading on September 16th. It tested that low. It held that low. And then we had a big green candle two, three days later. That was your buy signal. We missed it. I hope you got it because this thing is rip roaring now. Uh, Solar Ups asking if Benzinga is sponsored by Coke. Now we are not. I just have this um, drink up here. But but speaking of Coke, so this was in the headlines last week that Coca Cola announced it was buying Body Armor. They paid about five and a half billion dollars cash. Uh, to make the purchase of Body Armor, which is, of course, a Gatorade competitor, kind of a sports drink. Supposed to be, they market themselves as being, like, healthier than Gatorade. They use coconut water, but I don't know if you've ever tried it, Spencer, but if you look at the, you know, nutritional facts, it's it's got sugar in it. I mean, it's pretty similar to Gatorade. Um, but what's interesting to me here, so, so like I said, Coca-Cola paid about $5.5 billion cash up front, valuing um, the company at $8 billion. They did have a minority stake in the company, um, prior to this, but now they're just basically, you know, buying outright full control. Uh, Spencer, Kobe Bryant back in 2014 invested $6 million to purchase 10% of body armor. Um, today, that 10% stake, of course, valued at $8 billion, uh, is worth about $800 million. So a $6 million investment to $800 million in eight years uh, is good for about 13,000%. Um, it also, you know, that investment far surpasses any money that Kobe made in his playing career in the NBA. So uh, for the late, great NBA legend, uh, I'm sure his family is happy with that investment. So the moral of the story here is that what are we doing? We, sh- we should be in venture capital. Well, what are we doing here? Talking about stocks. We should be doing venture capital, private equity. That's the moral of the story. I mean, it, yeah, it's it, it seems like, you know, those big hitters that are doing VC, that are doing PE, they do it for a reason. They get into these companies early. They they have great returns when a company like Body Armor pans out and ends up getting bought out by a big player like Coke. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Spencer, look, ever since the Jobs Act of, uh, was that 2016? Here we go with the Jobs Act. 2017. It, it is now available that, that we as retail investors can purchase and private companies through Reg A or Reg CF. Are those, you know, great companies like Body Armor available? Maybe not, but maybe someday. All right. Hey, real fast, before we get to Jake with Jazz from Trendfighter, wanted to do a quick crypto update, if I can. Can I? Yeah. Today is a argument as for why Bitcoin futures are good and Bitcoin itself is not. Because even though Bitcoin is trading higher, you got the largest crypto exchange in the world, Binance, freezing withdrawals. Not something you like to see. Um, And yeah, so if you have a Binance account, Good luck is all I'll say. But anyway, Bitcoin in the green, ETH in the green. Most of the largest crypto is in the green today. That's good to see. Um, but I sort of can't stop thinking about this Binance mess. Uh, they've halted withdrawals several times today. It's sort of been a mess. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, but I don't quite understand their explanations for it either. Uh, this is an argument for owning 
some traditional instrument at a traditional financial services company that's regulated here in the U.S. like, you know, any normal, um, uh, you know, account or even a, a crypto exchange. Binance is not even in the U.S., even a normal exchange in the U.S. like Voyager, for example. Speaking of Voyager, they'll give you some free Bitcoin. All you have to do is download the app, use the offer code Zing, fund your account, make your first trade. They'll give you some free BTC. All right. It is one o'clock on a Monday, which means it is time for our recurring segment with Jake Wujastic from Trendspotter. Let's get Jake on this show right now. Jake, there he is. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Good morning from Denver. How's it going? Do you, do you like our, our, our new fancy desk setup? I it's do. Like three, I do. It's I, like three, it's three quarters finished. And I haven't done yet. But I mentioned last week you're you're looking sharp up there. You're a natural. Last week there was just me. This week there's me and AB. Next week there's going to be more of us. You don't even Ooh. know. Every every week we compound by 50 or 100% returns. So Spencer, I tell you, I, I got to meet Jake in person down in Orlando. You did not mention this fact. Yeah. We had a good time. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to hopefully some more live type of events in 2022 it seems like we're finally getting you know that direction you again were, so wait how come you got to go to miami and i did wait wait time out it was orlando <laughs> whatever first of all i don't know you gotta talk to luke about that next time you should come spencer it was fun you wouldn't know this about jake from looking at him on the screen but um he's kind of shredded he was looking good by the pool shredded. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm working on working on the dad bot. I'm sure that shred will go away soon. But uh, I got to I got to stock up for the Denver winters. I got to I got to get back on the uh, bulking season junk food. Yeah, bulking yeah. season. It's finally right. cold in Denver. So um, can you guys I, see my I screen? See, I, I see the spy up right now. I'm, I'm seeing some. I, I like what I see. Tell us what you see. Uh, so what I see is I still see a lot of people trying to short the market and, you know, thinking the whole, and this is what's driving me crazy. And, and who knows, maybe the fed does taper this week, but people who have not, have not been burned by the fed before don't realize that the fed is going to do what the fed's going to do just because they say they're going to do something doesn't mean they're going to do it. I got absolutely destroyed in 2015 into 2016 because Janet Yellen said she was going to raise rates four times in 2016. And look how that went. So my point is, is let the Fed say that they've done something before you assume that they're going to do something. Look at the European Central Bank last week. They didn't change anything. And so I'm kind of looking at that as how the Fed is going to react to. A lot of people are saying prices are out of control. And that's, you know, they are 100%. This is the craziest inflation I've ever seen. But I think it's more of a function of the supply chain issues, not a function of the money supply. Um, so just keep that in mind that these supply chain issues will eventually uh, kind of be optimized and, and things will get more efficient. But I just don't think the Fed's going to taper. And every time I post a bullish chart on Twitter right now, it's people <laughs> saying, well, the Fed's going to taper on Wednesday. Unless you can read the future, we don't know that they're going to taper on Wednesday. We know that they're going to at least discuss it. And that's kind of the, the event to look for. But just look at price action. And for me, price action is telling us that we are probably going to the 470s in sometime in November. Now, <clears throat> this would be healthy, actually, 
you know, maybe we do get a little bit of a spook from the Fed um, later this week. And a retest of the previous resistance would not be a bad thing. Uh, we've gone pretty far up over the last two or three weeks. So a little bit of a pullback would be would be welcomed uh, maybe to 455, which is the essentially the previous all-time highs that nobody thought was possible back in October or early October. So um, my point is follow price action. Price action to me right now is is telling us we've got higher um, to go. And especially with IWM breaking out. I mean, IWM is something that we've been kind of talking about over the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, on the daily chart, this was this was a little bit of a, a sign here where we broke out of this previous symmetrical triangle resistance. We retested it. And re notice here I'm using a zone. I'm not using an exact trend line here uh, because the market trades in, in margins of error. You don't have prices respecting something exactly to the T, to the penny. You've got areas that the market will um, respect because you've got margin, you've got leverage in the market, you've got impulsiveness, you've got people panic selling because the market's down one and a half percent or something like that. So you do have these areas where you have to have zones rather than exact price level. So we retested the zone, blast off this week, but if you look at the monthly chart, this is what's made me really bullish over the last really month and a half or more. Uh, seeing this, seeing this uh, IWM chart, and people are going to be like annoyed because I brought this up so much. But you know, why not bring it up if it's if it's kind of the pathway that we're going? We've been talking about this bull flag forming now for probably the last seven months on IWM. Finally got. Uh, a nice close in in October, starting the month out really strong for November. And for those that have forgot about the seasonality, uh, you know, the seasonality. How could you forget about the seasonality? Come on. No, I mean, you, you can't. You got to go by uh, the historical seasonality. Looking back since uh, the financial crisis, 92% win rate for November. That's 13 years of data. That's a pretty strong, uh, you know, data point there. So, Mix the technicals with some of the non-technicals, seasonality being one of them. To me, the fact that IWM is breaking out tells me that risk is on. And you've seen that a lot today. You've seen a lot of these smaller cap growth names that have had trouble really catch a bid today. Fubo up over 10%. That's one that um, you know has finally started to, uh, to make a move, possibly to uh, maybe even uh, yearly highs. I, I do think Fubo is going to be one that really breaks out. Now, I'll give you the thesis on why. Um, full disclosure, I do have a long-term position in this. I'm not actively trading it. Pretty much just been accumulating for uh, the last couple months. Uh, I will trade a around a core position. I just didn't get into this when I was, I was in BLNK going into this week. But if you look at uh, volume by price here, just as always, kind of measuring this from your, your main trend reversal here, we've got the volume shelf. We've got this bull flag on the monthly chart that's that's breaking out. And a lot of people are, you know, probably wondering, well, this is the first month of uh, this first day of the month. Why are you even looking at the monthly chart? Because it's it's relevant. We we had these setups that we we're looking at all over the weekend, and maybe yeah, if you're if you're a day trader looking at twenty minute scalp, then it, the monthly chart doesn't matter. But if you're looking at this in a longer term perspective, more of a swing trader, even a position trader. Uh, you can see here that Fubo is starting to break out of this bull flag. And the last few times we broke out of these types of bull flags over months of consolidation, you've had some pretty big moves to the upside. A, which is this move that we had back in April of 2020, breaking out 
Um, we had 142% move up from the breakout point here. Back in uh, October of 2020, we had a breakout and we had 400% uh, within, uh, within about two and a half months. So what I did was I just took the average of those two measured moves and uh, came up with about 300%. Doesn't mean it's got to happen. Measured moves, a lot of people you know, take them too seriously. You just kind of measure a move and see, okay, this is what's happened in the past and you apply that to the current setup. So Fubo's one that still only has like a $4 billion market cap. I mean, this thing is small. Uh, reminds me a lot of Roku early in the day. So this is a small cap name that may have some strength going into the rest of the year. Um, you've got EV names that are really powering EV, oh, yeah. uh, electric vehicles starting to catch up now. BLNK is one. Um, I had a position in this one um, over the last about week and a half, maybe two weeks. I did take some profit today because, I mean, when nice you're up. Nice trade, man. I mean, come on. That's a great trade. Yeah, and I was in the options too. So, like, you know, when, when you got a spike like this on the options, you got to take advantage of that IV spike. So, my thesis here was you had the uh, ascending triangle breakout, you had the anchored VWAP here from the swing high. But what I did, and this is a different way to use the anchored VWAP than a lot of people use it, the anchor, the actual anchored VWAP, let's just make this orange so you guys can see what the actual volume weighted average price is from the swing high is here. Um, that is like a uh, mustard brown. Let's make it like red. Um, and we'll make it thick. So you can see here, this is your actual volume weighted average price from the swing high. But notice anytime that the price action does not respect an anchored view app that well, sometimes you'll find uh, a stock respect it perfectly. You'll see like four times. Neo is a pretty good example of that where it just tests it, pulls back. Well, here, there's been multiple times where the price action has actually tested these other levels above the anchored VWAP. So what I do is I actually will go into the anchored VWAP on TrendSpider and add what are called percentage bands. So let's, let's just remove these percentage bands, do no bands. And if we click apply, you'll notice that the anchored VWAP has not been that predicted. It's been predictive because the price action will trade around a margin of error around this line. But there's times where you actually will have um, and uh, an overshoot of this level. So what I do is I'll go in and actually add these offsets to take into account those areas on the chart. So it's almost like a, an offset above the anchored VWAP. So in this case, I went to a, I think I did a five, a 5% 5 offset and a two and a half percent offset. So that means that I'm adding essentially another anchored VWAP two and a half percent above and 5% above. And I get those, I get those percentages by just looking at these these uh, previous times prices tested this area. So here's an area where the price tested the two and a half percent anchored VWAP perfectly. Another two times it tested it really nicely. And then you have these two instances where you actually moved up higher, and that's right around the five percent uh, offset. So notice here today we moved up right to that five percent offset. That was kind of my target for the week. Honestly, wasn't expecting it to get. Uh, there that quickly, but I definitely had to take some off the table. It was a really strong uh, move to the upside. I think the the calls went up about 130 percent or wow. more. Um, so I scaled out. I sold some uh, January 35 calls at like 320, uh, and then I got it. Uh, sold some more at like 380, and then I sold some at 330. So I think averaged out, it was around uh, about 130 percent on those, uh, and it was a pretty big position. So I'm happy with it. 
we'll see what happens uh, going forward um, with this one. But, you know, if you look at the the longer term chart here, we're, we're kind of just getting started. I mean, you take away the uh, the anchor VWAP here and you add the anchor VWAPs uh, from kind of a longer term setup. This this has been this type of breakout here on the weekly chart is has has been a, a starter of larger moves to the upside. So um, by no means am I bearish on BLNK, but you also have to take profits, especially if you are trading it. I love it, man. Dude, I so, love it. I love it. You, at some point, you have to realize some gains. Otherwise, you, what are you what are you even doing here? Right? Yeah, just, exactly. So we'll see. This is historically a very strong time of the year as well, going back since 2018, pretty much when this uh, IPO'd. 75% win rate for November. Um, you know, the last couple of times we've tested this COVID low anchored VWAP zone, uh, we have gone up to this, this previous high volume weighted average price zone, which is in the 40s. So keep it in mind. I still have some shares. I definitely. So what I did was I, I took some off the impulse move and then bought shares on the dip to kind of offset that a little bit. So I still do have a position. I just don't have the options position kind of leveraging that move that we got. So okay. still very bullish, but I did convert to shares for now until we get a little bit of uh, consolidation at this anchor VWAP area. Um, so, yeah, EVs are hot right now. Any any names that people are asking about? I do have the uh, chat pulled yes, up. Yes, a couple names, a couple names here. Uh, let's start with Occugen, OCGN. This is your high flyer, one of your high flyers of the day. Actually, high flyer of the week, really. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. I love these I love these consolidation zones. I mean, you look at this and you pretty much see IWM on a chart. Uh, we've pretty much gone nowhere. <laughs> this is finally uh, This is finally starting to make a move. Um, you know, I, I like to use a mix of horizontal levels and uh, regular uh, diagonal resistance levels. So if we wanted to kind of just connect this point to this point, we do have this longer term breakout going on, but we do have these previous highs that you'd want to get through to really get this thing going. And what I've done here is I just created a zone similar to how I create zones on the VWAPs or the other trend, trend uh, lines. What I did was I took the high, I took this high and then I connected it with this next wick down here. So we're, we're creating a zone rather than just, you know, an exact price point. Um, and that's how I come up with these areas. It's prices just don't trade at precise levels. And if they do, most of the time it's a coincidence. So yeah, looks really good. Um, you know, if we look at this on more of like a monthly chart, you, you kind of have this uh, pretty incredible, uh, and I'm just looking at this for the first time, so we'll, yeah. we'll take a look at it. But maybe, look at this. You've got this previous resistance that goes back since the 2019 area. You've got one shoulder, head, another shoulder. I mean, if this thing nice. breaks out, that's a pretty uh, pretty big time move that could be coming here. I don't I don't know what these this company does, but it looks pretty damn good. They could you know they could sell you know bags of dog poop for all I care. I don't care what they do. As long as the chart looks good, uh, that's what I look at. But the area that you'd need to break out above is around 20 to really get this going on a long-term side of things. All right, let's, let's get a couple more here from the chat. we got about 10 minutes or so left with Jake. Let's look at, let me get that off the screen. Let's take a look at, okay, we can do a few of these. IDEX, Michael wants to know. Michael Hancock, IDEX. This is like a really small cap name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
So let's take off seasonality um, and just kind of look at the overall chart here. So this is the weekly chart that we have on. Uh, it's up 5% today. Um, well, let's, one thing I'm curious about, I haven't see, looked at this chart either, but let's look at the raindrop chart and kind of see what was going on um, over the last couple of days. So notice here, you do have quite a bit of volume in Friday's wick. So this is kind of my favorite way to use raindrop charts. Um, if you look at the wick here, if we turn on the regular candle, regular candles on the right, raindrops on the, on the left. Notice within this wick, I'm just going to highlight the wick here, this whole thing. There was actually most of the volume for Friday was in this wick, uh, which tells me that there's conviction by buyers. Remember, for any buyer, there's a seller. For any seller, there's a buyer. So it's not, oh, is that buying volume? Is it selling volume? It's where did buyers have enough conviction to, to create a volume profile within this candle range? Because you can have somebody dumping a million shares on the market, but if there's somebody on the other side of that trade, you have, you have volume taking place there. Now, if you have somebody dumping a million shares on the market and there's nobody to buy that, uh, buy the, that inventory in those shares, the price is going to have to drop in order to find buyers. Well, in this case, we know that there was aggressive enough buyers here because there was a volume profile to absorb that, to absorb that supply. So for me, um, that's anytime you have a wick like this, that's my first go-to is looking at what's going on here. I mean, if you look at the wick today in the volume profile, even of this candle, uh, we do have quite a bit of volume kind of at the top 50% of this range. Um, now keep in mind that the day, uh, you know, days still got two and a half hours or so. Um, so this, this can change as we get into the second, uh, part of the day, but, it's worth noting that anytime you have these things, same thing here, right? This candle, most of that volume was in the wick. Um, and that's what you want to look for with, with these raindrop setups. So, I mean, all in all, it looks pretty good. The, the main thing that I would point out here on the weekly chart that kind of caught my eye was uh, the falling wedge. So this is kind of how I would just quickly draw a falling wedge. I use these, uh, these trend zones. So I draw my initial line, right? connecting these two points. And then I'm making this bigger because look, if we're only connecting this point, and I guess you got a little bit of this point, but this is the other point I was connecting. There's only, there's only two points on this line. Now, if you use a zone, you've got one, you've got two, three, four, five. So this zone is actually a very strong area of resistance. So if it can get through that, then you've got maybe a runner on your hands. And um, if I was looking for a target to the upside, if this broke out, I would just look at the volume weighted average price from this high. And that would put us right around 296, which is also conveniently enough, the previous area that the price had trouble getting through back in June. So that's kind of my thoughts on uh, IDEX. All right, I'm going through a couple more here from the chat. Mm, this one is wild. I'm not going to do BTTX. It's just too... Too crazy, no real technicals there. Uh, what about okay? We, we can look at this. This was a lower price name, but we can look at this KPLT catapult holdings, lower price stock, but there there is at least technicals. Mm -hmm. I've heard of this one. Um, yeah. let's look at the daily, yeah. So, you know, the first thing that I look at, um, is are there gaps? 
So if you turn on the gap snake on trend splatter, you'll see you got a huge one above. Ooh, wow. But you also have one below. So let's make this gap factor a little smaller. So it'll take into account this, this one down here. You may have to do like 0.2 or something. Yeah. So notice here we've got a gap above. Uh, that's right around nine bucks. We also have a gap below. Um, and, and this thing has kind of just slowly dripped down. But uh, assuming this is a small cap name, I think it is. You know, this, this could uh, be a laggard for IWM starting to make new highs here. Um, so for me, you know, if I, if I was looking at the volume weighted average price from this, uh, this low here and this high before we gap down, that would, that would put the target right around, let's say 550 to 575 here. Um, and then, you know, and then you would just kind of go from there. A lot of people ask, well, you know, well, what about, I thought you thought Fubo was going to 50. Well, yeah, it's got to break 35, which is the previous highs first. And it's got to fill the gap at 39. So like, you know, you have to look at these as an if then. If this level's tested, then the next area to watch above is this level. Um, it's it, it's not just, oh, yeah, we're going, you know, Wish, right? Everyone thought Wish was going to 50 plus dollars, but there's a lot of other technical levels you needed to get through before that. And, you know, it's, it's still having trouble. Um, if you guys don't mind, I do want to kind of give out an, uh, maybe an idea. This is a trade that I did. Um, enter today with some of those BLNK profits, but also one that I've been accumulating now for a little bit. It's a larger cap name, so just keep that in mind. And yeah, some people what would we got here. What is this? Call this a boomer stock. GE. Um, GE is an interesting one, uh, and a couple reasons for this. One, you've got the infrastructure bill stuff coming out soon. I think GE is definitely going to um, do well from that. But then another thing is notice here especially pretty much since we bottomed out in 2020, you, you'll have these gap ups on GE. Here's all these, uh, these little orange horizontal or excuse me, vertical lines represent the earnings. And a lot of the time you'll have like a nice move up from earnings. You'll pull back for a few days and then you'll start to move up. And notice some of the, most of these moves are not on earnings. Like notice this gap up here in November of 2020, that wasn't on earnings. That was on, uh, just kind of after earnings. And I think this had to do with, you know, the, the, the uh, presidency and, and EVs and all that. Yeah. General Electric. It's, it's, they, they focus on this stuff. So uh, that's one I think is going to do really well from a fundamental standpoint. They've really got their Ooh. stuff in order. Um, so here you got the move up, pull back after earnings. Here again, move up, pull back after earnings in a straight up move pretty much since. And notice what we have here. We've got the same thing. Uh, now, you have had times where you've gapped up and kind of chopped around, but you have to keep in mind with the markets being kind of risk on right now, this is one that's lagging. You've got the same thing. You've got the initial move up from earnings. You've got a pullback for the last couple of days, and now you're, you've got that same setup. So this is one that I am playing. I know it's probably uh, one of the boring stocks out there for a lot of people looking for yeah, crazy Yeah, it's moves. stodgy, man. It's stodgy. I, I, I like the idea. I like the idea. The, uh, thing the thing about the stock, though, is the stock is not going to move, you know, 20%, 30% on you. So know that going in, everyone uh, who's following Jake here. But but I like the logic behind it. Well, so the, the way I think about it is you want to use these types of names on the option side. You know, you can make if you get into the January calls and this thing, let's say you get into the January 110 calls that are currently trading, I don't know, around like 395. Go look at what the uh, 105 calls for January are trading at. They're trading at like six, 
twenty or six fifty. So that's actually a fifty percent return if we got in the money on those one tens. So you're getting that big move on the spot price. And the thing is, GE doesn't really move, and it hasn't moved that much lately. So when you finally do get that rip, the I the IV spikes on these contracts, and that's how you you can make some pretty good money on the premium with a stock that doesn't a lot of the time have this type of move. So GE's one. Just a just an idea. No, I love the idea. I love the idea, Jake. Uh, there's we'll a couple it, more. We'll uh, a couple more here from the chat. Solarp is asking about uh, uh, how you feel about hymns. If you have changed your mind at all, hymns on HIMS. Uh, see how it's kind of done nothing. I mean, yeah, this is another one that you've, you're going to probably have a lot of uh, I a lot of small cap names finally starting to. Uh, make some moves with IWM if it can continue uh, to move up. We'll see how the Fed plays out. Remember, the Fed has not done anything yet. They've been talking about it. But the thing that I would kind of look at first off is we're at this longer term resistance zone. Um, and we're kind of we've kind of got this symmetrical triangle forming, too. So, you know, if you could just connect these areas here and we we kind of capture some of this price action around here, we're kind of getting pretty close to the apex of the symmetrical triangle. Um, and same thing that we just did with, I think, KLPT. You look at the volume weight average price from this high here back in June. And then you look and you see, okay, well, this has actually been a pretty important level of interest multiple times as we've tried to break out. And so naturally, this is going to be um, an area that you'd want to look at around 870 to 875. Now, this is, a, this is a perfect prime example of when you'd want to use some of these percentage offsets. Notice that the price action did get above this VWAP um, a couple times. So you've got one, two, three times where we did not actually respect that VWAP that well. And um, here you actually respected it perfectly. So what I would do is this, this does take a little trial and error, but after you know doing it for a while, you can get a rough estimate. You know, this, this VWAP's around 898. It goes up to around 934. So if we added, let's say, a 3% offset here, on the anchor view app, we're now going to be capturing some of that margin of error above. So actually, we'd want to get a little higher than than that that view app above. So percentage band, let's do three. That means we're adding another view app a three percent above it since we had some of that price action around it. Now you'll see that this area is now capturing uh, this price action that went above the view app. So technically, you'd really want to get. I mean, I'd even add a little more to this. I'd probably make this like 3.5%. Let's see if that's too much. Yeah, 3.5%. Notice how it's capturing that top wick now. So HIMS, if we get above uh, around 950, that would be a target for possibly a breakout for me. Um, but until you until you get through this zone here, that's that's going to be tough. All right. I know there's a few more tickers in the chat, but we are at time. If you have a question for Jake, you're, you're going to have to tweet at him or just go to trendspider.com. There is a promo code for Benzinga fans and listeners and viewers and users and everything. BZ25. And uh, Jake will be back with us next Monday at this time. And love I'll it. be here, and we will have more charts. I, I love the ideas you bring, Jake. I love the I love the GE idea. I wouldn't have thought that. I've lost money on GE before. Now you got me thinking, and I, that's usually a bad idea when I think. But 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 I I, I I like your idea had a logic. 
So yeah. I, I like that. I like that. So yeah. And you know, <laughs> if you have a plan or some type of thought process, that's the first start yeah. to at least having a trade that you can make, you know, decisions on without impulse. So sure. um, electric vehicles have been moving up. A lot of renewable energies have been moving up First solar ENPH. General Electric is one that used to be a 400 plus billion dollar market cap back in 2000. Think of, you know, the the things that GE could do in the coming years. They they have all the things they had crappy management for quite a while. They got that turned around. So keep it on your watch list and we'll see what happens. All right. Jake Wojcik from Trendspotter. Jake, always a pleasure, man. Have a good one. Hey, thanks. You too. All right. Hey, AB, uh, I see our next guest in studio. Should we bring him on? Yeah, let's do it, Spencer. We've got Chris Capri from Second uh, Second Skies Trading joining us. Um, excited to bring Chris on. Every time Chris is on, we we get a special treat, and that's being able to look at the option flows of our favorite tickers. So, without further ado, go ahead and hit that button, Spencer. I just did. I, I just hit the button, Mr. Capri. How are we Gentlemen, doing on this beautiful Monday? I'm liking both of you in the studio, by the way. There, I like it behind the desk. It looks I, good. I had to yank AB out of that room by his hair, and I was like, "You need to join me." at this beautiful desk we have he did not want to sit next to me i know that is not because of my luscious scent i don't know but i got him here finally next to me even though our i like it. i think it looks good I, I thought ab was thank fine you. before but I, I like you guys both in studio looks very thank you. looks very thank pro you. thank you we appreciate you when you get up to ann arbor we'll have to get you in the studio as well you know, I, I would totally be down. I, I would I would be happy to come in for regular visits. I would love that. Um, all right, Chris. So I tease that every time you're on, we get to look at the option flow of some big name stocks. What tickers do you have uh, prepped for us today? Well, it's hard not to look at Ocugen. So, you know, if you look at um, some of the big notes in Benzinga, uh, trading higher, traders circulated a recent release from the Australian government mentioning recognition of Barat Biotech's Covaxin. So Ocugen has partnered with uh, Covaxin or Biotech's uh, Covaxin project on this. So as Covaxin becomes more and more of a reality, it's going to take Ocugen with it. And we're starting to see that oxygen, it's hard not to call it oxygen. Ocugen is having a decent run on the day. And we've been seeing that it's been kind of, you know, running for a few days. So it's up almost 40% in the last few sessions. And if it can kind of cross that threshold of getting authorization, getting usage, then I think the stock has room to actually make a decent run. We've seen how Novavax, it had kind of those challenges with regulatory issues and authorization. As soon as they clicked on and said, hey, we got our ducks in a row for authorization, we've seen Novavax take a big jump, like from 120 to 160 plus, which is huge, a 33% increase in like a week. And so- when I look at Ocugen, it's actually a decently traded stock in terms of options. There's about 300,000 calls and there's about 105,000 puts on the market there. So this is what I would call kind of like a mid-grade options. Below 100,000 is very low. 100,000 to 500,000 are called mild. Um, once you start getting to 500,000 options or more, the data becomes very robust. And then at, once you're at a million, you feel like the data points you have are very, very solid to kind of give you an idea of where key levels are. So... When I look at Ocugen, what do I see? I see there is a lot of short-term dated options on Ocugen. About 45% of those options that are out in the universe, and this is not including today, uh, are expiring this Friday. So they are short dated. Today alone, 
We've had 147,000 options. Keep in mind, this is only a 400,000 option stock. So literally almost a third of the options were universe were added today alone. That's huge. It's a lot of traders kind of taking bets on this. And you're talking about 104,000 calls on the day and 43,000 puts. So two out of every three options today were calls. So when I look at all that, what do I see? I see short term, this, this stock has got some bullishness to it. It's holding above VWAP once the news came out. A little pullback into VWAP, it's been bought. So there is you know, short term bullishness. We are kind of tacking into, and let me get my trusty pen out, this kind of major resistance on the weekly, as you can see here. Like we haven't had, we've had two weekly closes above 15 in a while. This is several years. So we are getting into thin air to some degree. And so I'm not surprised that we're kind of encountering a natural resistance as we start to get closer and closer. I think this resistance probably holds for the week. Those options, that 45% of the options roll off. We get a little bit of a pullback. And then I think it's a really good opportunity for a long. So when I look at options positioning, I see support right around 10 right around just above 10. And so this is kind of where I'm seeing options positioning is saying, hey, you know, between 964 and 107, this is a really good base of support. There's a lot of strikes, there's a lot of concentration there. And if you look at some of the short dated options, let's see here, prior to today, yeah, the biggest strike by open interest was 10 on the call side. And even today on the volume side on the put, it's the largest by it's the largest by volume. So I feel like there's a good base of support between say 9.7 and 10.7. So I'd totally be open to selling November 5th cash secure puts. You can get about 50 cents for them. If it doesn't pull back this week, which I'm not expecting it to do, you get to keep the full credit. If it pulls back and activates, I'm long at 10. So instead of just doing a traditional stock limit order, of just saying, hey, I'll buy at 10, put my limit there. Why not sell cash secure puts? If it activates, we keep the premium plus or long at the level we want. If it doesn't activate, we keep the premium. So I like cash secure puts on this right now. If we Got were it, back yeah. at 10, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say this is a name that we're, we, we've seen a lot of retail interest in before. And now, you know, we're seeing some more come in again. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with these types of stocks, you have to understand that getting that over those hurdles, that regulatory approval, that authorization, that's. That is such a, you know, such an important tailwind to get in terms of a catalyst. And just today's kind of conversation and some of the notes out there through the Benzing app and everything, the Benzinga Pro app, it, it shows that this is moving in that direction. There's still more hurdles, but if it keeps getting more of this, you could see the stock make a really serious rip. So I would like to get long at, you know, around 10.7, hold it for a swing trade. And, you know, I'd like to see this push and break you know, into the twenties, we can get into 24, 25. I think that'd be an amazing play. So that's the first one I'm looking at Occugen. Apps kind of not a heavily discussed stock, but something that I think is going to be a good stock for years to come. And so we've been kind of in this corrective channel for quite a while since February. And we've broken out of this recently of the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. The last 11 weeks, it's closed bullish nine, assuming this week's bullish nine out of 11. That's a lot of buying interest. And you can see that once, you know, here this happened, we had a lot of buying interest since then. So 
We're approaching some major resistance. I don't think we're going to crack it this week. When I look at the option flows on apps, I see not as many options as Ocugen. 71,000 calls, 57,000 puts. This is prior to today. And about 15% of that is rolling off for the November OPEX. That's the monthly OPEX the 19th. So when I look at that, I feel like short term, there's not a whole lot of pressure on this stock. So there's nothing that's going to cause a headwind to it. But I do see support in this kind of 86 to 85 region. Let me show you why. Let's go to the four hour. So here's your kind of base right here. You see, this is a pretty strong base where I think buyers will step in. We were inside this channel for a while. We had a little bit of transition and distribution after gaining, you know, what is that? 25% in a matter of two weeks. So you have a little bit of profit taking consolidation, but buyers felt like this was the line. They've created a higher base and now they've broken out of that. So to me, I feel like I don't want to chase this heading into resistance, but I am open to getting long here. And instead of just having a limit order to just, you know, stock limit order, just get long the shares, I've sold cash secure puts on this. So I think selling cash secure puts on this for this Friday's expire, I think is a good play. We posted our live trade for our members about four hours ago on this. So we have cash secure puts on this right now. And I think Beautiful. inside this range, I think it's I think it's a solid play. Um, so I, I know we've I know you've got a few more tickers lined up for us. Before we get to those, I've got a few names that I've been seeing flying sure. in the chat. If we can just do a quick check on the option Happy flow um, for these three names, got some big retail interest. Let's start with DWAC. So I mean, to me, down about ten percent today. Uh, to me, I looked at the chart and it looked like, oh, you know, this looks like an easy, you know, stock to buy some puts on. But I'm sure you, you're going to explain to me right now why that would not be a wise idea. Yeah. So I felt like this was um, like I've seen a lot of moves like this and I'm not surprised that it's rolled back. We were actually telling our members because it did this spike in the pre-market. And by the time it opened, we said, yeah, we've hit the high. Like this is going to start pulling back and it has been pulling back since then. Part of this was kind of the mania, <clears throat> but I think as investors start to look a little bit deeper into some of the terms of the company and the agreement, we're not going to, we're not going to see the same kind of ramp. So when I look at DWAC, here's what I'm seeing in terms of flows. It's not a huge option stock, 74,000 calls and about 64,000 puts. 35% of those options are rolling off November OPEX. And if I had to speculate, I'm willing to, I'm guessing DWAC is probably monthly. Oh, it does have weekly options. Okay. But the volumes are not great. So what do I see in DWAC? You prior to today, 140,000 options. Today alone, 44,000 options. And three out of every five options have been calls. I see DWAC rolling back a little bit and I see resistance right now in DWAC. I think this is your resistance. I don't think it's, this is what I'm seeing in terms of option support and the price action makes sense. You know, we had a massive, let's stretch the screen a little bit. Just a over, just a kind of over exuberant thrust that had to kind of come back to earth. Next bounce has less volatility. That's what you see when you have big volatility spikes Usually each subsequent bounce is less and less and less. And that's probably because there's less fuel for a gamma squeeze or anything like that. Now we're treating it as the VWAP, the weekly VWAP as resistance. Now look at the strength of this bounce over three days. Compare that 
You know, this is a 54 to 75. It's a $20 bounce. Compare that to this bounce with this 76 to 120 in one session. So if your bounce goes $50 in one session, but then over three sessions only does $20 and kind of finds a sticking line here, tags resist, tags resist, tags rejects, and now selling lower. To me, that's bearish. There's there's just not enough fuel to get past 75. This is a dead cat bounce. Most likely I see this returning back to 56.55. I, I see nothing right now in the price section. I see nothing now in the order flow. I see nothing that really suggests to me that this is going to rip. And so this was great to trade for two days. After that, it's not the kind of stock you want to trade. Got it. Yeah, I was, I, was look, I was looking at uh, puts on it. But like I said, I mean, I know with some of these stocks, I'm sure that there's a, a bunch of short interest out there. You know, maybe if it doesn't end up hitting people's levels where they're expecting it to, they'll have to cover. So I don't know. This will be a fun one to watch this week. Down about 10% today. If you get a if you get a rip into seventy five, I'm totally down to get long puts. I, I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, because right. you have a very tight structure here. Um, the puts will be cheap if we're rising into that, and I would probably, you know, if the puts are cheap enough, I get long puts. If they're a little pricey, then I would just get long a put uh, long a bear put spread. So you get long that the money's here, sell further out of the money around sixty, maybe fifty five. You know, that could be a pretty good play. So yeah, I'd be yeah, totally well, down to get short on this. We'll have to keep our eye on it. I'll alert you if we end up look like we're we're, we're uh, ripping up to that $75 level. So moving on from DWAC, another retail favorite, AMC. AMC was up about 3% today. It looks like it, it had some um, trouble breaking through a resistance and is now maybe coming back down. But I'm just curious if they're, you know, what the option flow looks like on this stock right now. Okay, so prior to today, and let me also get up today's as well, just so I see how I can compare. Prior to today, you had about 1.2 million calls and 900, roughly 900,000 puts. So you're talking about 2.1 million options out there. We have done 345,000 options on the day. That's 15%. That's a decent size. This is kind of a meme stock, so to say. And I don't want to upset some of the apes or the trade trades who are you know only trading AMC, but... I feel like AMC is probably a sell between 40 and 44. Um, and let me and let me kind of explain why. So we have currently, prior to today, 21% of the options are rolling off this November OPEX. That's the 19th. Today alone, we've had like three and a half out of every four options have been calls. And it looks like a fair chunk of that has been short dated. Yeah. It's 30, 50. So you're saying we've we've seen an increase in uh, short-dated call options today? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's already a pretty heavily active, traded, short-dated, you know, kind of option uh, stock to begin with. I mean, of the 345,000 options that have been traded today, 30, 50, plus 90, 100. I'm saying at least 150,000 of those being calls that are expiring this Friday. And, you know, these stock, this stock can go up to 39, but if it does it really slowly because the IV will come down, those calls will be worth less. So, and right now the premium is not great. The top volume strike on the day is 40. There's been 37,000 options at that strike alone. And prior to today, the open interest was 13,000. So it's quadrupled or it's tripled. 
Wow. And this thing's not ripping. So those things are just going to lose value. It's going to lose 20 cent theta decay just on the day. I feel like AMC, sorry, trade trade. Sorry, you apes, whoever's an ape. I think between 40 and 44, it's a sell. So I will put an alert out here for myself at 39. Other than a new catalyst, I think it sells. Yeah. Got there's, it. there's some interest around 35, but it's not gangster. And so, you know, I mean, if you look, there's decent volume here, but there's very little volume on the day and very little rip. So I think it's a sell and a fade. Got it. So we went through DWAC, went through AMC. The last one we were going to do um, on the retail side is Lucid, L-C-I-D. Yep. This was on my radar recently. Did I get the wrong? I got the wrong feed. There we go, NASDAQ. Okay, Lucid. What I like about this chart right here right now is it's actually been holding these levels after it, it um, ripped up about 10, 15% last week. You know, a lot of times if you see it come back down to its previous levels, but right now it's, it's kind of been consolidating up there. So um, I think it looks interesting right now. Yeah, this is a wide corrective structure. So like, let's look at the impulsive move from this rip up. This is 27 to 40. Let's just call it for a $13 rip. But this corrective structure is 40 down to 33. So of the 17 or $13 that are ripped, it's now formed a structure that is $7 wide. The wider the corrective structure, the more distribution is happening, the more selling and buying is going on. If this thing was like this size, then that would mean very little profit taking and very little distribution and very little pressure from the sell side. So there clearly is some of that, but a lot of this was on the first day and it's been kind of contained since then. So looking at Lucid, we have about 625,000 calls, 320,000 puts. Um, prior to today, 33% of the options are rolling off this Friday. So you're going to have some headwinds the later this goes into the week. I think 40 is going to be a very tough strike. And let me just look at today's short dated options to see. But yeah, not surprising. The biggest strike on the day, volume-wise, 56,000 options on Lucid at the 40 strike. So, But then it drops off to 6,000, which means that there isn't much fuel or appetite to get beyond 40. Today's options, that's actually huge. Yeah, this is a, this is prior to today. It's a million option stock. We've done 460,000 options on the day. That's huge. So with that being said... Yeah, I don't think this makes it past 40 this week. Like, I don't think it'll close above 40. It would need some sort of catalyst. I think 40 probably holds as a resistance. Medium term, I like being bullish. Short term, I'd like to see a weak move into resistance here. Very corrective. Maybe take a couple sessions. Get long the puts or sell a bear call spread just above this. Have it pull back a little bit. Let those options roll off. Take some of the call fuel out of the market and then look to get along potentially next week. I can see support probably, yeah, right around kind of 35 to 34. I think this is a decent support zone. So play into this, sell, and then offload your position. And then if it looks solid at 34, 35, look to get long. Yeah, I like this one. I like this one on both sides. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you have a stock kind of trading sideways like that after a big move up, it starts being interesting because it's signaling that, hey, look, we have buyers up here that are, you know, supporting these levels. It's not just all yes. sellers taking profits and it crashing yeah. back down. Um, so, yeah. And actually, if you don't mind, I got one more I want to look at real sure. quick. 
Uh, take two, TTWO. I believe we've talked about this one before. Um, I think the company has the company. I believe has earnings coming out on Wednesday of this week. Um, so I'm I'm kind of curious about the option flow of earnings um, or into earnings. Excuse me. To see kind of, you know, is does it look like we have more bullish options or bearish options? Because the stock seems to be trading up into earnings, which isn't always a great sign. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, so let's take a look at this. Okay, so prior to today, um, mild option stock, 52,000 calls, 44,000 puts. So you're talking roughly 100,000 option stock. And today alone, we've printed ooh, very low, 3,000 on the day. So not a lot of options activity leading into today. I'm curious what the volume is on this. Why am I? Oh, this thing needs the, there we go. What's the volume on the day? Volume's low. So there's not a lot of people actively trading this today. Prior to today, not much. 6% 6 of the options rolling off for the December December expiry. That's very low. So there's not a lot of short dated options on this, which would explain why the gamma profile is flat. Yeah, there's not a lot of people short dating this. There's not a lot of people short dating this at all. So you don't have to worry about like options position building into this. Um, where do I see? I see resistance kind of where we are right now. Yeah, I think between. I think this is probably your resistance prior to earnings. When is earnings? I believe Wednesday. Yeah, I think unless there's a new catalyst, I think between 185 and 188, it finds resistance. <sighs> yeah, there's not a whole lot of juice on either side. So there's not a lot of people speculating that there's going to be a massive bullish breakout from the options standpoint. There's also not a lot of bearish options on this. So there's no speculation really about the short dated. It doesn't seem to be anything at all. So I think probably between 185 and 188 is your resistance prior to earnings. And then after that, it's kind of, you know, all bets off, so to say. Yeah, 188 makes sense because you got this resistance right over here. So, yeah, very stiff resistance right over there. So prior to prior to earnings, I don't think we break out. I don't see any leaning either way. I don't see anything in the short dated that tells people or tells me option traders are taking a bet either way. I think they're probably standing aside and just letting it play itself out. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I was I was curious, like I said, into earnings. It sounds like it's not um, very decisive one way or the other until who knows? We'll either get a big, you know, spike after earnings or a big dip. It seems like to that seems to be the standard with these big name tech stocks. Yeah. And you can see on earnings week, these are pretty big weeks. This in earnings week, it's a big week. This in earnings week is pretty big week. Like it seems like this stock tend to has violent reactions going into that. You know, if somebody really felt like that volatility was going to play itself out, they could do potential straddles right now, you know, for Friday expiry because they, but I wouldn't do it until right before the earnings. So, because you're just going to eat theta decay on that. So, if it's after market, then an hour before close, a potential straddle on this, if you think there's going to be a big volatility push either way, you'd need probably on Wednesday, you probably need the stock to spike seven or eight dollars in each direction to get to break even but anything beyond that you make some good gamma on that yeah yeah i'm trying to see just real quick if there's any other um big video game stocks that are going to be reporting before take two that might have an influence on the stock it looks like right 
Okay, yeah, looks like we have Activision, Blizzard tomorrow after hours. EA is also on Wednesday after the close. So who knows if Activision Blizzard has, you know, huge earnings or misses by a lot, maybe that will uh, you help know. the volatility. Yeah, it will, exactly. it will increase the volatility. So, you know, right now looking at the IV on the short dated 72%. Let me see how dislocated that is from historical. So I'm just kind of putting uh, implied versus historical setup there. Apply done. So right now the implied volatility is at 0.42 reading and historical on the daily chart is at 0.25. So there's approximately like a 55% dislocation from historical to implied. So there is a decent spread there. Um, there's a spread in terms of implied is slightly higher, but if you get a really strong earnings either way, then this could accelerate further. So if you're getting long a straddle or long gamma directionally, you are paying a little bit above normal cost, but it's still pretty low considering we've been stuck for the last two weeks inside of this $10 range. So there might be a potential gamma play there on the, uh, the long straddle. Otherwise, just uh, stand by on this. Got it. Um, all right, Chris, well, I'll let you get back to some of the tickers that you had pulled up before I rudely interrupted you with some of ours from the chat. Um, it's all good. You can interrupt me. I'm totally cool with it. All good in the hood. <laughs> all right. Um, so trend spider was looking at, uh, Jake, I think his name. Sorry. I'm yep. still learning the lad. Um, he was looking at GE. Uh, I thought I'd take a look at GE kind of ahead of time. And here's what I'm seeing in GE. So prior to today, we had about 135,000 calls and 125,000 puts. The biggest OPEX in terms of like gamma expiring is November OPEX. So there's not a lot of short-term, you know, options being played out on GE right now. Um, there's just not a lot of people trading it on a short-term basis. Volume's also kind of low in the day. And so for this week, I don't see GE getting past... 110 111 on the week I, I just don't see the fuel there i think ge if you're going to kind of play this type of breakout that we would want to start seeing skews in volumes on the stock and then skews in the flows and i'm just not seeing that i'm not seeing huge rushes into the options on this um prior to today you had 250,000 options it's at 29,000 on the day so it's 10 percent. it's decent there's a lot of people making bullish bets, 23,000 calls, 6,000 puts. So what is that? Four out of every five is a long is a call. But I, and I think anybody expecting a rip on GE this week, it's not going to happen. I, I just don't see it having a weekly close above 110. I think for now, we could close above 110. Maybe it continues to build. But you're going to need to see more of a build because right now the pressure is really just at this level. And here's your base. Here's a higher base. Here's a higher base. It's trying to press, but if it breaks out here, it's still got this resistance and still got this resistance above. So for those of you who are thinking that GE is just going to be some amazing breakout or something like that, it's it's going to be a while. And I wouldn't get long via options on the breakout because you would just get eaten in theta decay. I think it's going to be several weeks before we can crack the 110, let alone the 114 or whatever that is. So... Options flows are not suggesting there's going to be some impending breakout right now. It's it's a ways away. Where does GE become a decent play from an option standpoint? Eh. Once you start getting a hundred or sub one hundred, 
it starts to become better and better. Like between here, I need this box. Between here and here, it starts to become better. And the reason being is that as the price falls, the dealer hedging that we're seeing, kind of the rate of change of gamma starts to increase. And when rate of change of gamma starts to increase like that, it means that there are more hedging requirements from dealers. So as we start to fall, dealers actually start buying this up and to hedge their positions. And that means that then any sort of stock sales are going to run into that hedging support there and it becomes harder and harder. The deeper you get, the more this gamma changes and the harder, harder it is for this to kind of rip lower, so to say. So I see that there's a decent, you know, area of support between say 95 and maybe a hundred. And so if somebody is a believer in GE, you know, for that kind of long-term play that Jake was mentioning, I think you'd probably want to wait till the 95, 100 zone instead of trying to trade a breakout. I think it becomes a much better play at that. And there's just a lot more option flow and dealer support at that level. Got it. Yeah, there you go. You get both sides of the GE argument on the stream today. Chris Capri with Second Tri Skies Trading. The links are in the description. I'll throw them in the chat again. Um, Chris, we are running out of time, but thank you as always for coming on at 1.30 on Mondays. We will see you next week. Good seeing you. Be well, everyone. You as well. All right, y'all. That was Chris Capri, Second Skies Trading. Like I said, links are in the description. Going to go ahead and drop them in the chat as well. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.